come up and be with us today, so I asked him to preach, and he graciously consented to that, so we're going to be blessed by what the Lord has put on his heart for us today. So let's uh, let's pray for him Amen. for us, yeah. and let the pray the Holy Spirit continue mm. to dwell in this place in our hearts today. Father, we give you thanks for your faithful Lord. Amen. Your grace and your mercy are new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. Amen. It never stops. We thank you for Bracken and Gail for their heart to serve others, for their heart to to share the gospel and to point others to the treasure that they have found. So Holy Spirit, we pray today you would just continue to dwell in this place, Lord, to turn our hearts and minds toward you and to hear. Give us ears to hear, give us minds to stay attentive and absorb the words that you've put on Deacon's heart today. Let our let us leave this place, Lord, different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Rodney. It is, it is a pleasure to be here, y'all. I love that word, y'all. You may or may not know, I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I'm Southerner by the grace of God. It is an awesome place to be. Father Ronnie asked me, well, how was your drive over? Y'all, it was truly amazing. I, I have some remarks that I really thought the Lord had laid on my heart. And I got to uh, Centerville and set the cruise on 60 because I was doing a little better than I thought time-wise. And the Lord proceeded to say, well, you know what you're going to talk about? That there's really something you hadn't gotten yet. I said, okay, Lord, what is it? So we're going to go back to that gospel reading, to that really important part, that verse in Luke. You know, sometimes you've read the Bible all your life, and then you get to this spot, man, I never knew that was in there. And Luke 24:11, I didn't know this thing was in here. After the women had been to the tomb and went back to tell all the other guys, hey, the tomb's empty. We win. Those paragons of virtue, right? Those guys, the apostles. Eleven of them. And verse 11. But these words seemed to them like the greatest thing they'd ever heard. No, word doesn't say that. Word says what the women told them seemed like an idle tale. And those pillars upon which the church was built, they did not believe them. Idle tale. That's the way the English Standard Version puts it. The NIV, many other versions, don't call it an idle tale. They say the apostles thought it was nonsense. The Aramaic Bible in plain English has a 
awesome rendering. They thought that it was insanity. You know, are you kidding me? I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking about Joe the used car salesman and what he thought. What we're talking about are the 12 or now 11, the 11 men who had basically left everything to follow Jesus for about three years. And those guys, you know, they'd seen some stuff, right? I mean, starting down at the wedding in Cana, when Jesus said, go draw some water. And I'm sure some of them were there sort of scratching their heads. And here come the water pots. And Jesus says, draw some out. And the guy takes it over there. It's not wine. It's not water anymore. And it's not 3 a.m. ripple. It's the good stuff. So that the master said, everybody else serves the good wine first. And then at the end, when everybody is sort of happy, they get the cheap stuff out. But you, you've saved the best till the last. And fishermen that some of them were, I'm going to think that some of those guys got a taste. And they realized, maybe, just maybe there's something really different about this guy. You know, and think about Nathaniel. He's the guy that was under the fig tree. And he walks up and he gets a word of knowledge that rocked his world. Jesus said, I saw you under that fig tree. And folks, the Lord didn't have Twitter or Facebook. He didn't know from Adam who this guy was. Except that his father revealed it to him. You see, the truth of the matter is, those 11 guys who'd been there the longest, who'd seen, they'd seen dead people, right? They'd seen Jesus, oh, no, no, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And I'm sure there was a little polite, you've got to be kidding me, that went through the mourners. Because they knew, she's not sleeping, dude. She's dead. And he takes her by the hand, and she's up. And those 11 had seen that. They had seen stuff that you could only do by the power of the living God. And yet, when the ladies came back and said, we went to the tomb and it was empty. Y'all are crazy. It's not, it didn't happen. It's not like that. Thank God for verse 12. Because you see, that wasn't the whole story. Verse 12, Peter rose 
ran to the tomb. Stopping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths, the burial cloths. He saw them by themselves. And he went home, not thinking they're insane. He went home marveling at what he had seen. You see, I like Peter. Peter really is like me, probably you at some point. You remember Peter, don't you? Jesus says, one of you, 12, is going to betray me. Peter, like all of us at one time, no, 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 no uh, 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 time out, Lord, not me. I'll never do that. I'll follow you to the death. Later, he whips out his sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest servant. He's really right there. <sighs> Jesus said to Peter, you know, Peter, the truth is Satan has asked for permission to sift you like wheat. I pray that your faith won't fail. And when you turn again, you'll strengthen your brothers. The ladies go, they tell the eleven and some others. Peter, Lord love him, he's me, he's you. He goes back. He gets a revelation. Wow. And then that evening, that's the John passage, that evening of the first day of the week. To digress, you know, the world tells us Sunday, that's the weekend. That's a fat lie. Sunday, that's resurrection day. That's the best day of the week. That's the day that we're here to celebrate the fact that he lives in his body and his blood. And he ministers to us. On that evening, the first day of the week, all the guys, except Thomas, were there. And Jesus comes in and says, Here, touch my hands. See my side. They'd heard about it earlier that day. Then they saw it. And they believed. You see, what I think is, I think Thomas got a bad rap, you know? Because John goes on and he talks about Thomas. Thomas is just sort of like you and me, like all the disciples are you and me. And when I point that finger at y'all, I've got three of them pointing right back here. So if I point at you, I'm pointing at me even more. Thomas was just brutally honest. After that first time, the other guy said, hey, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, you know what? If I don't see it, I'm not going to believe it. What is different about verbalizing his innermost thoughts than the other ten 
who when the women came said, that's just an idle tale. That's just loose talk. It doesn't happen that way. And then Jesus said to Thomas that great thing. Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And somewhere, I guess it started before you get to that traffic light in Centerville and somewhere before I got to Eoline, I realized that the real crux of what I need to say to you is buried back in the Luke passage. When they got to the tomb, what they find? They found an empty tomb. Y'all, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but sometimes that's exactly where I find myself in an empty tomb. What do you mean, Deacon Bracken? Well, it's like this. The empty tomb, the Lord says, is that place that you get to, whatever it is. And things just haven't quite, in a big way or a small way, worked out like you thought it was going to work out. Those 11 guys, so much like you and me, right? Sitting around arguing about, well, I'm going to sit at the right hand. Where are you going to sit? I'm the greatest in the kingdom. Who do you think you are? They were looking for something. Peter, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll cut off anybody's head, their ear. I won't let you down. And then, it didn't work out like that. The soldiers came and they took Jesus and handed him over. And when crunch time came, where were the eleven disciples? The word says they all ran away. John came back. The women were there, but the men who later changed the world, they ran away. Even before the tomb was empty, they were at an empty tomb. They got to the place and said, this isn't working like I thought it was going to happen. Those situations can be big or small. The empty tomb can be when you've got the contractors in your house, right? And they're doing some, man, this is going to look great when it gets done. And then all of a sudden, there's a cloud of dust. It looks like a mess. You can't cook. Or maybe you can, but man, you, it's, it's work. 
or the real good thing, they say, you know, by the way, but the, this, this joist right here, we're going to have to tear this sucker out. This is going to cost about $3,000 more than you thought. Now, all of a sudden, you're in that empty tomb right there. Gail and I have found our own version of an empty tomb. We have a goddaughter who is now 17 years old. Uh, she is one of 10 children, the mother of whom died giving birth to the 10th child. That will be six years ago in December, this coming December. Our goddaughter uh, was baptized at Christ the King in 2015, a couple of years after her mother passed, was for a while very active in our youth group, attended the church school, and then things didn't work out the way we thought they'd work out. And the person who has legal custody went to a different fellowship and our interaction with our goddaughter became less and less. We had a 16th birthday party for her and that was really the last meaningful contact we had with that young lady. Uh, we found out on the evening of April the 26th that our goddaughter had been taken out of the home and was somewhere in the juvenile justice system. Things weren't working out like we thought, y'all. That tomb uh, looked a little empty. We uh, did our best to try to write some letters, to at least make some contact. And then we found out in, uh, well, to back up, we were really devastated by what happened. So May the 2nd, we said, all right, Lord, this, uh, this can't possibly be what you want. So we filed our own petition for custody of that young lady. We thought, well, we'll get right in there and this thing will get straightened out. Except that if you've heard it, you know, the wheels of justice grind a little slowly. And as we stand here on July the 7th, nothing has happened. Other than we found out on June the 17th where she was. She's in Abbeville, Alabama. She's about as close to Georgia as she can get in a facility that after you read the handbook, you will think, man, if that's not barbed wire and armed guards around that place, it has to be real close. Not the kind of place I think you want a young lady to be. But for us, tomb was a little empty. We couldn't see what was there to be seen. We didn't 
see with the eyes of faith what God is today trying to say. He said the same thing to us, to you, and again I've got fingers pointing. He's saying the same thing that he said to his disciples before the storm arose on the sea. He said, we're going to the other side. He's saying the same thing that he said to Thomas. Thomas, do you believe that's awesome? And you're blessed because you see, you know what the truth is. He also said, blessed are those who haven't seen yet, but they believe. You know, the word tells us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's the truth, isn't it? Sometimes, whatever empty tomb you're standing in, whatever that place is, what God's saying to you is, listen, listen, that empty tomb, that hard place, that's just a circumstance. That's what we like to call a fact. You know, you can't argue with the facts, right? Really? There's something more important than the circumstances or the facts. What's important is the truth. The truth that never, ever changes. Romans tells us God loves us and everything works for sort of okay no everything works for good for those that love God are called according to his purpose it doesn't say God causes all the things he says that those things those facts those circumstances the truth is those facts and circumstances work for my good, for my plans. And the challenge that faces me and Gail as we walk out the place where we believe God's called us to walk, the place that wherever you're at today, whatever that empty tomb is, if you don't have one today, you might get one tomorrow when you go to your place of employment. The challenge is for us to look past that empty tomb and to look at the God who is the source of life and health and godliness and to realize, yes, 
it may look empty but there's a greater truth here and even if I don't see it I believe the truth that I am in Christ and that as long as I am in him and John 10 I think it's 28 said Jesus said Satan cannot snatch those who are in my hand from me that's the truth that's why I'm pumped up on a hot Sunday in July because that word is hotter than a firecracker and it's the truth y'all I used to close by saying that's my story and I'm sticking to it but that's not right because it's not my story you see we're in Christ he's the vine we're the branches it's his story I'm not sticking to that the truth the truth with a capital T is it's his story and he's sticking to me because he sticks closer than a brother nothing can snatch me out of his hand well father I give you thanks for the day I thank you that you live in us and that you hold us that we're in Christ and the great truth is that nothing nothing can snatch us from that place. We bless your name and give you thanks now through Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.